Our sermon text for today was our gospel lesson, which I read to you, the story of the centurion's servant being healed from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow faithful, if you want to invest your money, but you don't want to take any risk, you know, you only want to invest in, in something that you know isn't going to fail, well, you can't really expect to make much of a return, right? If you want to make a, a large return, you have to take some risk. Usually how that goes, right? If you only like to predict baseball games where the, the outcome is almost obvious, you know, you, you wait for those matchups where it's like a 10 to 1 chance that uh, this team is going to win and then you predict it's going to be that team that wins well you're not really going to be impressing your friends very much are you when sure enough that team wins which was of course heavily favored to win anyways of course you want to impress your friends you got to guess the other way around right well in some ways, faith kind of works the same way. If a person wants to say, well, I'll believe in God. If, if God comes down here in front of me and he cures me of this illness, and if God performs that miracle before my eyes, well, then I will believe in him. Or if there is a mathematical formula that I can find out that that proves beyond a doubt the existence of God. When I see that, that formula, then I will believe. But of course, that's not how faith works, right? Faith is meant to be believing in something you can't prove. Faith is supposed to be difficult. And when difficulties come into our lives, for us believers, that faith it's going to be put to the test, isn't it? As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about faith here for the next few weeks. And, and particularly, we're going to see the faith of this, this non-Jewish person, this centurion, as, as he trusted that Jesus could do amazing things. And he didn't look for any outward proof or any sort of uh, outward actions. It was just this faith that was humble, and in faith that accepted that Jesus had all authority on earth. And today we see that, that believers will have faith that trusts that God can do amazing things. A centurion had that faith, right? A centurion was a soldier, but a centurion was... In theory, the leader of a hundred other soldiers, but by this time in the Roman history, is more like 60. But he would have been a hardened warrior. Chances are he would have been traveled all over the known world at time, fought in wars, had seen things that would probably make us sick. And he was a leader, he was a soldier. And people underneath him who listened to his commands. And he would have been a Roman, too, of course. 
That means that he would not have been a Jewish person of the Jewish faith. He would not have been brought up knowing about the true God. He would have been brought up learning about all these Roman gods and goddesses. So it's an interesting thing to see this man now send some servants to Jesus. Why? Well, because we find out a little bit later, we find out that he didn't even consider himself worthy to appear before Jesus. So he sends some of his Jewish friends who were, hope in his mind, were hope, hopefully worthy enough to, to go and see Jesus, some elders of the local synagogue. And I think with this centurion, we see a man of humble faith. And what makes him so humble is, I guess, he understands what he deserves. He recognized that he was a sinner and that he didn't deserve really anything from God. And notice it's the elders who say, well, this man, he deserves you to, to heal his servant. You know, he's done all these things. He, he used his own money to buy a synagogue for the people. That's like a church building. That's the building that they would go to every week to hear God's word. This centurion, he built them a church. So these people think he's worthy, but he doesn't think so. He realized that he was a sinner and really didn't deserve anything from Jesus and certainly didn't deserve to have Jesus come into his house with that kind of an honor. You know, you think about what you deserve and what you expect. And I think that kind of changes your whole perspective on things. A while back, I was looking at reviews for hotels. I was thinking about staying at a pretty, pretty cheap hotel. But, you know, sometimes you can be kind of questionable. So you look at the reviews, right, to see how it fares. You know, it's $70. That's pretty cheap. Is it going to be bad or is it going to be okay? I remember there being just a wide variety, some five stars and some one stars. You look at the one stars and they're saying, well, you know, there was no coffee there in the morning when I woke up. Or, you know, I went to go get help at the front desk and there was no one there at, at 10 o'clock at night and I couldn't find anyone to help. Then you look at the five star reviews and people were saying things like, well, for $70, what do you expect? There was clean sheets, the door locked, it was fine. And then five stars, you know, that they, they weren't expecting much, right? You know, it, it all depends on your expectations. If you're expecting all these amenities and all these different things, sure. That same place, which some people might say is five stars, would be one star. But if you had come with low expectations, recognizing that you, you know, you're not paying very much, so you're not expecting too much. You see it differently. So I think this centurion, he was well aware of what he deserved. And that was nothing. Because he saw himself as a sinner and... He didn't even deserve to stand before God or have God come or have Jesus come to his house. And now I think we have to look at ourselves a little bit too and, and think, what do we deserve 
from God? How do we come to God? You know, if we had to write a, a review of God, how, how would we do that? I think there's a lot of people that maybe want to give God a one star because he's not doing the things that, that they expect him to do. God, you should be giving me this. You should be giving me that. I should not have these troubles, these hardships in my life. After all, you know, I went to church last year and on Christmas and, and I put a few dollars in the plate. I mean, you owe me this, God. The truth is, when it comes to God, he owes us nothing. We bring absolutely nothing to the bargaining table with God. There is nothing that we can say. In fact, all we do is truly deserve God's wrath because we have sinned and fall short of his commands. He tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we don't do that. We hold grudges. We are... Uh, opposed to our, our neighbors. And you, know, you look at this man, the centurion, he was a Roman. He showed love to these people who are of a different race than him. Sometimes we have a hard time doing that too. We, we look on strangers and we're afraid of them. When God tells us to show love to those who are different than us, to strangers. So we see that really we have nothing. We deserve nothing from God. But what does the centurion get in our story? Well, his servant was healed, right? That, that servant that he cared so much for was healed. This person that was very valuable to him, someone that he loved. And now we notice a little detail in this story was that Jesus praised him for having this faith that would believe that Jesus could heal this, this servant of his, not even by being in the same room with him or just even the same area. He could just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's what the centurion said. So he believed that Jesus could just say the word and, the and his servant would be healed. But from our text, at least, as I read it, it doesn't seem like Jesus even said a word. He kind of one-upped the man, the centurion. Jesus says, I don't even need to say a word. He's healed. And when the centurion returned, he, he found his servant healed. We see what we, we know what we deserve. But here in scripture, we see what we get anyways. It's kind of like if you're a student, and you get called into the principal's office or the, the dean of students, whoever does the disciplining at the school. And as you're walking there to the principal's office, you're thinking, oh boy, which one was it that I'm getting in trouble for? Because, you know, there's about five different things you could be getting called, called into the principal's office for. And you're kind of sweating a little bit as you wonder which one it is that you're going to get, that you got caught for. Well, when you get there, you realize that the, the principal isn't there to give you a detention, but actually to give you a, an award for something that you did or some sort of a service that you did or 
some sort of a grade that you received. It's a whole, the whole situation is flipped around. And really that's what we have with Christ. When we come and look at the truth of the matter is we don't deserve anything. We actually deserve nothing but God's eternal punishment in hell. That would be just and fair if that was what we had because of our sins. But through faith, a great miracle happens. We get something more than what we deserve. Jesus is the one who loved us so much that he was willing to die to take away our sins so that we could have that hope of eternal life. It's not something that we deserve. It's not because we're good people, but it's because of Jesus's love and because of what he did for us that we have now that hope of eternal life. We get something far greater than what we deserve because we deserve only punishment, but we are given eternal life in heaven. That's what our faith holds on to, what Jesus has done. It's a humble faith, right? It's a humble faith that recognizes that that we don't have anything, but it's also a faith that recognizes that Jesus has the authority to do amazing things. You know, the, the centurion, he understood how authority worked very well. He was a man, he was a centurion, and of course, there were legionnaires who were his boss, who were in charge of uh, many centurions, and of course, he himself was in charge of of tens of people, maybe even up to a hundred. And he understood how it worked, you know. uh, When he made an order, that order was carried out, or people died. I mean, that's how the Roman army worked. If a centurion, if your commanding officer made an order, you did it or you died. So he understood very well how authority worked. And that's why he recognized that Jesus could just say a word and his servant would be healed. Because he realized that Jesus had authority, but not just over other people, but he had authority over everything even sickness and death, that Jesus was truly in great control. And I think I think that we as believers living in this day and age, in this story of the centurion, I think we're given a faith that we can aspire to as well. You know, whether our faith is strong or weak, We can look to this centurion and and learn something from him, I think. To recognize that Jesus has authority, no matter what the problem is in our life. It's not bigger than Jesus. Jesus is in control of all things. He is like the ultimate commanding officer. He's the commanding officer of sickness, war, troubles. Whatever problem is in our life, Jesus has authority over it. And we can trust that Jesus has that authority and put our faith in him. Sometimes, though, God works in really hard ways to predict. You know, he works in ways that, that, that we don't really understand. And we would never really think, you know, why, 
God would you do that? It doesn't make any sense that you did that in, in my life. And I guess that really shows that God works on different levels than we do. You know, God's way might be, his ways might be unknown. But God's intentions are never unknown. See, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? For those of you who drive here, do you, do you like to be the driver when, you're, when there's two people in the car, or do you like to be the passenger? I know a lot of people who like to be the driver. And it's not always because they like to drive necessarily. They enjoy the act of driving. But I think sometimes it's a control thing, right? When you're the driver, you are in control. You're the one who's holding the wheel. You're the one who can put your foot on the brake. When you're sitting in the passenger seat, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, sometimes you're, you're really at the mercy of the person driving. Yeah, you can sometimes reach over there and grab the steering wheel, but that's, that's a little iffy. And I think faith is a little bit like sitting in the passenger seat or sometimes even sitting in the back seat. I think when it comes to our lives, we would like to be the one driving. We would like to be the one calling the shots, holding the wheel, telling it to go where it needs to go. But sometimes we need to step back. We need to sit in the back seat. And we recognize that that can be hard to give up that control. But at the same time, if we understand that God's intentions are good, it makes it a lot easier. And all we have to do is really look at Jesus and his love for us. How he came into this world. How he did everything for us. His intention was for us to spend all of eternity with him. And if that's really God's intentions, then how he gets us to that point may not be the way we would think it gets there. But we can trust that he's going to get us there. And maybe it's in... Mysterious ways, as they say. But we know that that's his intention. Because he, he loved us so much that he died to take away our sins. That's the, the purest form of love, isn't it? To sacrifice oneself. Because we couldn't do it. We would, like I said before, we would deserve nothing but eternal punishment in hell. But we see the heart of God. In what he did for us. How he gave of himself so that we could have eternal life. And I think that helps us to have faith. Because we know that God is in control. That, that Jesus has authority over everything. We can have a humble faith like this centurion. Recognizing that, that we don't deserve anything. But it's all a gift from God. And that he is in control and that he loves us and has our good at heart. Now may all praise and all glory be given to Jesus, the Father of the faithful. Amen. Please rise.
May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we'll now sing the Create Me.